Good morning. Good to see everyone. Beautiful fall day. Love the fall. And so anyway, great to see you. So there's a little bit of a flavor of patriotic, uh, both outside and inside today. This Thursday is Veterans Day. And uh, we just wanted, I just want to take a minute and just thank our veterans. I'm, I'm one of those guys that just feel so incredibly humbled that men and women would serve this nation. So we just want to take a minute and say thanks. If you're a veteran, I know people are joining us by way of live stream as well, but if you're a veteran here today, would you mind just standing if you're able? We just want to recognize all of our veterans today. Thank you so much. Appreciate your service to our country. Well, we're continuing our series on Come to the Table. Appreciate Brett, and Brett had a heart to do a series on just gathering around the table. And it is amazing how many things in the Bible happened around the table, around mealtime. Next week, we're going to have a special guest come, and he's going to kind of share a little bit of his story and share and kind of fit into coming to the table, and that's Blake. I've known Blake now for about uh, 14, 15 years but 13 years ago, on uh, November 16th, which will be a week from Tuesday, is the 13th year anniversary of when he went out to deer hunt and he got up into a tree stand. The tree stand broke. He fell about 15, 18 feet out of the tree stand and from that day forward has been living in a, a wheelchair. He basically has, no, has very little use of his arms, has some use of his arms, no use of his legs, but I've had the privilege of knowing him. The guy always has a smile on his face. And so he's going to come and just kind of share a little bit of his story. And so I hope that you'll come. By the way, he uh, is part of the men's Bible study down at the Leslie campus. And uh, the, the guy who was leading the Bible study couldn't lead anymore. And so Ron asked Blake, hey, why don't you lead? And so for the first time in his life, He's able to give something back, and he's been leading the men's Bible study down at the Leslie campus. Love this guy, and so he's going to be here next Sunday. So I hope that you'll come and just hear his story and just, uh, again, embrace. And I know his life will be an encouragement to us. And so as we've been, the series that Brett kicked off, uh, he talked about the table. The table, God's table, is for the broken God's table allows us to belong, and God's table offers us a blessing. And so some people say, well, what does it mean it's for the broken? Well, today we're going to look at someone who is incredibly broken and yet brought to the king's table. And so three uh, challenges that Brett gave us. First of all, to invite someone from the church to come and have a meal with you and encourage you to find somebody that you do not know and invite them to either come to your house, go out and eat somewhere. And if you can't find anybody to invite, I am available on Tuesday and Thursday evening, all right? And I have made a commitment several years ago to eat, and I just want you to know I have been faithful. I have been faithful, all right? So anyway, but it is a good chance to, you know, you see a face and maybe you don't know who they are, invite them to have a meal with you and just kind of hang out and get to know them. The third challenge is to invite someone to our church-wide Thanksgiving meal, which will be on Sunday, November 21st. I'm not asking you to find somebody that goes to another church and ask them to come here, but find somebody that doesn't have a church home, invite them to come with you on the 21st and just hang out with us and enjoy a meal. So it's just something we like to do and to give back 
to our church family. And so last week, Bob talked about Jesus eating at the table with publicans and sinners. Appreciate Bob and Brett. We just have some incredible communicators. I tell people I feel like I'm a goat cart in the Indianapolis 500 when it comes to public speaking. So I, anyway, I, just, I really just enjoy being able to hear those guys teach. Bob did a great job just sharing a lot of personal stories about connecting with some folks that maybe you wouldn't think about connecting with. And that really is the heart of Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about coming to the table of the king. And this is something that in the natural realm would be very foreign to all of us. But the opportunity that someone would have to come to the king's table. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at today by a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. And it really is a story of poverty to plenty. It's one of those stories of rags to riches. And we all love those stories of somebody who's a nobody, and all of a sudden they discover there is somebody. Now, I know I've watched too much TV growing up, because when I was thinking about kind of the rags to riches, I thought of this family, all right? And they're not in your Bible, so don't look up the concordance, all right? But how many of you remember the Beverly Hillbillies? All right, I knew you guys were with me, all right? You, you were looking kind of spiritual there at the beginning. But, so the Beverly Hillbillies, I mean, there's something about them. By the way, how many of you remember the last year they were putting out new episodes? It was 1971. Fifty years ago this year, they quit making new episodes of the Beverly Hillbillies. They were on for nine years. I don't know how I know that, but I just read that somewhere. But anyway, I just want to play just a little bit of the song because when you think about the Beverly Hillbillies, how many of you find yourself kind of thinking that song? I remember, by the way, I just remembered this just now, but I had a guy at the church I passed around St. Louis, he played the banjo. And he, he had never played for church, and so he said, could I play a, a, a song at church? I thought, man, that'd be awesome. He's a young guy in high school. He wants to play the banjo. I said, we'll let him play a special and so we introduced him, first time he ever played in church. Guess what he played? The Beverly Hillbilly song. I mean, and I was just looking around, praising God. It wasn't what I expected. But he played the Beverly Hillbillies for Jesus, all right? So anyway, the song goes something like this. I'm going to read the white. You guys read the yellow. I'm probably going to read it more than I'm going to sing it. You all be thankful for that. But let's just kind of look, again, kind of a rags to riches story. All right, so you guys got the yellow. You got the most important part, all right? Come listen to my story about a man named Jed. And then one day he was shooting at some food. Oil, that is. Well, the first thing you know, oh, Jed's a millionaire. The kinfolk said... So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly. You guys know that song, didn't you? Yeah. So you're going to be humming that this week. You're going to be humming it. Somebody's going to say, where have you heard the Beverly? We, we learned it in church. We sang it in church. All right. But anyway, there's something about those tunes that kind of get in your head. All right. But anyway, so today we're going to look in 2 Samuel chapter 9, kind of a rags to riches story. One of, the, one of my favorite Old Testament stories. It's a guy that probably goes under the radar for most people when you think about your favorite Old Testament characters. But I love Mephibosheth because I can identify so much. And so here in 2 chapter 9, David has now become king. 
And if you remember all the turmoil his life went through, all the time Saul tried to take him out, but now he's finally king. All right? So let's look. David says to Ziba, who is, was a servant of Saul when he was king, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? So David is now king, and typically when a king comes into power, they kill all the offspring of the former king. But David made a covenant with Saul's son, Jonathan. And he made that covenant in essence, and we're going to read it here in just a minute, but in essence, when they made a covenant together, Jonathan, who was the king's son, and even though he was in line to the throne, Jonathan understood that David was going to be king. And Jonathan and David made a covenant together, in essence, saying, everything I have belongs to you, everything you have belongs to me, and literally, we're becoming one. And because of that covenant, David is now king, but he remembers that covenant that he made with Jonathan. And he says, I just want to bless somebody of the house of Saul. I just want to follow through with that covenant that I made with Jonathan, and I want to give something back. And so the word kindness there is an important word. He says, I want to show kindness. That word kindness, and we'll just kind of look at it, is the Hebrew word hesed. And it means unfailing love, kindness, mercy, and it's often based on a covenant relationship. So remember, he made a covenant with Jonathan. Based on that covenant, he just wants to show mercy and grace. He wants to bless somebody because of that covenant relationship. That same word has said is translated mercy 137 times in the Old Testament. So most of the time when you see mercy in the Old Testament, it's this particular word. It's, it's mercy that is shown. It's translated kindness 38 times, one in our text today, and goodness 12 times. By the way, in the book of Psalms, 86 times in the book of Psalms, when you see the word mercy... It's this word, has said. It's God wanting to show mercy, not based on our performance, but based on covenant. And so the psalmist, no matter how much trouble they were in, they wanted to experience the mercies of God, that they're new every morning. All right? Here's how I would define mercy and grace that I think always go hand in hand. Mercy is not getting the punishment we deserve, and grace is getting the blessings we don't deserve. I want to tell you, when you understand that God should, I mean, we all literally deserve hell. But God in his goodness is withholding that judgment. That's mercy. But then God turns around and blesses us and gives us the kingdom. That's grace. And so these two always go hand in hand. A picture of grace to me would be, again, the judgment is being removed. That God is not going to judge us and give us what we deserve, but instead that river of grace, the river of God's blessing come our way, not because of who we are, but because of a covenant that the Father made with the Son. All right, really, really important. And so I love this, Amazing Grace. Many people, that's their favorite song, and I've put a new title, all right? I put Amazing Mercy and Grace. Because mercy and grace always go together. Again, mercy is God withholding the judgment we should get. And grace is God giving us the blessings we do not deserve. All right? 
So Jonathan, I mentioned Jonathan and David made a covenant. And here it's mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 18. So Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. In essence, when two people made a covenant, by taking off his robe and putting it on David, he was saying, everything I own belongs to you. When he gave him his sword, he was saying to David, your enemies are my enemies. My enemies are your enemies. They literally became one. And so here in 2 Samuel 9, when David wants to bless somebody, it's because of that covenant that he had made with Jonathan. And then we find, the, I think it's the last chapter of 1 Samuel, chapter uh, 31 here, it says that Saul and his three sons all died in the battle against the Philistines. And so again, Saul, his three sons, all died in the same battle. So that tells us how Saul was taken out, all right? So Ziba, who was again a servant of Saul, he says to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan, he is crippled in his feet. By the way, over and over, multiple times in this one chapter, we're told that Mephibosheth is crippled in both of his feet, all right? And so David said to him, where is he? And Ziba answered, he's at Lodabar. How many of you have ever heard of a town that would be called Podunk, USA? I mean, a town that literally... Kingsville. Anybody know of a town that would be called Podunk? Well, Lodabar would be just south of Podunk, all right? Podunk, Podunk isn't much. Well, Lodabar would be less than that, all right? And so Lodabar literally means, the word means no pasture. I mean, it is a barren, God-forsaken area. Why would Mephibosheth go there? Because he understands that now that Saul and Jonathan have died, the new king is most likely going to kill him. So can you see where he went to the most remote, obscure place in the land to try to survive? And so he's living under the radar, hoping nobody finds out where he is. And so I would call Lodabar Hopelessville. I would call it No Self-Esteemville or Pittsville. I mean, we're talking bottom of the rung. We're talking about the no good, nothing. I mean, it, everybody get an idea of the town. All right? I mean, it's, it's out in nowhere. There's nothing there, nothing to get excited about. All right. And so Lodabar is about 60 miles northeast of Jerusalem, long ways away. And again, he's trying to get as far away from the king as he can. Because again, his understanding is now that David is king, I'm going to probably be killed. And so he tries to live under the radar screen. All right. And so why, how, did he, how did he get lame on both of his feet? Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 4, Mephibosheth was five years old when news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse took him in haste to flee, and he fell and became lame. So we know how he became lame. The nurse heard that Saul and Jonathan and his two brothers were killed, so she understands his life is in danger. She's in such a rush, she grabs him in haste, trying to take him out, and she grabbed him in such haste that she dropped him, and he became lame in both of his feet. So he's lived his life in Lodabar, which is a nothing, Pittsville, Hopelessville, and he also is lame on, on both of his feet. How many of you have ever said it could never get worse? Mephibosheth, always think of Mephibosheth, it could always be worse, all right? So he's living 
in Lodabar, he's living in fear of the king, all right? So Mephibosheth, and this is my opinion, most likely lived in Lodabar in fear and low self-esteem 24-7. You see, Mephibosheth didn't understand that his dad and David had made covenant. He didn't understand covenant, and because of that, he was living in fear when all the time he could have been living at the king's castle. And I just want to remind you that the Christian life is not about our performance. It's not about who we are. But when we understand that God the Father and God the Son made a covenant. And when Jesus died, he fulfilled that covenant. And if we have Jesus in our life, God wants to bless us, not because of who we are, but because of our connection to Jesus. When you begin to understand covenant and understand the story of Mephibosheth and realize you are Mephibosheth in the spiritual realm, God wants to bless you not because of who you are, but because of his covenant with his son. And so I think he lived in Lodabar with bad information about the king. I think he was told, king goes to kill you, he wants to kill you. And that wasn't true at all. But I want to tell you, when you're told that, you begin to believe that. I believe he lived like the most wanted man in Israel. He probably lived a very wasted, unproductive life, all right? And so David sends and brings him from Lodabar. How many of you think that his heart rate went up just a little when he heard David wanted to see him? I mean, I mean his adrenaline was probably high. Maybe they had to drag him. I don't know. But David wants to see it. He probably thinks, how did he find me? Ziba told on you. Ziba said, he, he kind of ratted you out and told that you lived in Lodabar. So Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, came to David, fell on his face, and paid reverence. How many of you think that he was literally in fear of his life? Because he did not understand covenant. And there's a lot of Christians, man, that live a life of fear and trembling because they don't understand the covenant between the father and the son. And so David says to Mephibosheth, do not fear. It's amazing how many times the Bible says, do not fear. I believe if God were standing here today, he would say to every one of us, do not fear. I know it's crazy out there. Do not fear. Do not fear. He says, I will show you kindness. There's that word kindness. I will show you mercy and grace for the sake of your father, Jonathan. He said, Mephibosheth, it's not about you, Mephibosheth. You haven't did anything to earn it, but I want to bless you. I want to bless you because of my covenant with your, with your father. And then he goes on to say this. He says to Mephibosheth, I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you will eat at my table always. Can anybody say rags to riches? I mean, you talk about a change. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine on Wednesday night, anybody saying, does anybody have a testimony? And Mephibosheth says, I, I guess I could say something. Woo! I think Mephibosheth, I, I just can't I mean, I was living in Lodabar. You know, I'm at the, king, I'm not, I'm at the king's table. I, I don't get it. I want to tell you, when, you, when it discovers, when you really, when it dawns on you who you are in Christ, and it isn't based on your performance at all, when you understand that God wants to give you the kingdom based on his covenant with his son, it's very humbling because it isn't about us. It's about him. But understanding covenant helps us to understand that, man, we are a child of the king. I love how Jesus said it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to give you the kingdom. 
One of my favorite stories, I share it periodically, so act like it's new if you've heard it. I heard a pastor share that they went to a new neighborhood. And so, you know, always a little bit of, of nerves going to a new place, a new neighborhood. And so they got in their new house, and the next morning, his wife came in just kind of laughing at breakfast time. And she said, he said, what are you laughing about? Well, our youngest kind of headed out today, got on his bike, headed down the driveway, brand new neighborhood, brand new town. He said, our youngest headed down the driveway in his bike, and he hollered out, look out world, here comes a preacher's kid. <laughs> can I tell you, every day you go out, we can honestly say to the world, look out world, here comes a king's kid. And it's not about you. It's about your connection to Jesus who has a covenant with the Father. And I just want to tell you, he wants to give you the kingdom. Can you imagine if, if Mephibosheth would have decided to go back to Lodabar? Can anybody say bad decision? Well, notice Mephibosheth says he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should regard, uh, show regard for a dead dog like me? I mean, he is broken before David. He realizes he had done nothing to earn that grace and that mercy. And he knows he doesn't going to have anything to contribute for the kingdom. And he literally considers himself a dead dog. By the way, this is not a dead dog, actually. So don't go home and say, man, the pastor showed a picture of a dead dog. It was terrible. This is a dog plain dead. All right? But anyway, so Mephibosheth, can you see how broken he is? I mean, he thought... All the way to Jerusalem, man, this is the big one. This is the big one, man, I'm going to die. And then all of a sudden he discovers that King David wants to invite him to be part of the family. And he's going to restore everything that his grandfather Saul had. And he's going to just bless him. You know, it's no wonder that when we get to heaven, the Bible says we're going to fall on our face. I think we're going to understand what Mephibosheth felt when we stand in God's presence. When we see the glory and the holiness of God and think, who am I? Who am I that Jesus would come and die on the cross so that I could have eternity? I mean, I'm going to feel like a dead dog in heaven. I just want to tell you, when we get to heaven, can I tell you one word you're going to hear a lot in heaven? I believe, wow. Wow. People are going to look at me and say, wow. You know, when I grew up, I've, I've shared my testimony. When I grew up, I wasn't the best example when I was going through school. We got involved in everything that the world got involved in. How many of you have ever heard that preacher's kids are rough? And here's why, I believe. Preacher's kids are rough because they hang around deacon's kids. <laughs> I was a deacon's kid. I'm not, I was going to tell you, man, I, I just wreaked havoc. I did everything I could to influence people into the world. I remember one time we were sitting at a table, and I, didn't, I just thought everybody lived that way, because all the church kids lived that way, and my dad would always say, as long as you're with the church kids, I said, not a problem, not a problem. And so we'd go out, but one day I remember we were at a table with some friends, and I was talking about getting involved in VBS. And I'll never forget the girl sitting across the table from me. She leaned across the table. Her eyes got the size of baseballs, and she said to me, you go to church? <laughs> that hurt. But I just want to tell you, there's going to be people that I grew up with. When they get to heaven and look at me, they're going to say, wow. 
God's grace is big. And it really is. I'm here to tell you, when I study Mephibosheth and I realize that I'm Mephibosheth, I don't deserve the goodness of God. I don't deserve God's mercy, God's grace. Some of you, when you're driving home, it's going to dawn on you. You're going to have to pull over and just have a spell. Some of you this week, man, when it dawns on you, man, God's incredible mercy and grace, you're going to have a God moment. Because none of us deserve it. None of us deserve the grace and the mercy of God. But because of the covenant that the Father made with the Son, He wants to give us the kingdom. He's preparing heaven for us. Took him seven days to make creation. And by the way, I think he did a pretty good job. Seven days. He's been working on heaven for over 2,000 years. I want to tell you, I think we're all going to be blown away by the grace of God. When we sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb one day, can I tell you the first person I think I'm going to think of when we sit down to the marriage supper of the Lamb, I'm going to think of Mephibosheth. I'm going to say to myself, now I get how Mephibosheth was so blown away. That God would prepare heaven for us who do not deserve it. We don't deserve heaven. We deserve hell. But because of his mercy, his grace, he wants to bless us. Next time you look in the mirror, you should be pretty blown away by the mercy and the grace of God. You guys got me sidetracked. I got to keep going. So David said to Ziba, all that belonged to Saul I have given to your master's grandson. He went from rags to riches. He got part of the, the promised land given back to him. And then he goes on to say this to Ziba, you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for Mephibosheth and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. He went from being a pauper to having servants. He was somebody, not because of anything he did. He did nothing to deserve it. But because he was connected to Jonathan, and Jonathan and David made a covenant, he was important in the kingdom. And that's true of you. When you realize it's not about you, it's not because you came to the 1050 service, you deserve a little extra special love. Think about the poor sound guy. He has to sit through three services. It's not about that. It's about us being connected to Jesus. I love that story. So Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Wow. David said, I've always got a place for Mephibosheth. And I want you to know every day we can dine at the king's table in the spiritual realm. But one day we're going to get to go and actually dine with him in heaven. It's going to be pretty, pretty Amazing, all right? So Mephibosheth had to make a decision. Do I go back and live in Lodabar or do I stay at the king's table? Can anybody say, duh? Boy, that's a hard decision. If you were mailing him a letter, you either had to mail it to Lodabar where he's been living or you got to mail it to the king's palace. You know, there's a lot of Christians that live in poverty when they could be rich. There's a lot of Christians that live as a defeated, beat-up person when they don't understand who they are in Christ. You know, when you read what the Bible says about us, that we're overcomers, that we're more than conquerors, 
When, the, when you read what the Bible says, that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I mean, I don't always get up on Monday morning feeling like an overcomer. Sometimes I feel like I've been overcome. But when you begin to discover who you are, not because you're, you're part of the ridge, not because you're an American, but because you have Jesus and the covenant that the Father made with the Son, He wants to give you the kingdom. So Mephibosheth, the obvious move, Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, and he ate always at the king's table. And again, the Bible reminds us that he was lame in both of his feet. Several times it, it reminds So not only did Mephibosheth have nothing to give the king to deserve coming to the king's table, he had nothing to contribute after he came to the table. But David wanted to bless him. David wanted to give him the kingdom because of the covenant that he had made with his father, Jonathan. And David just, our Mephibosheth just had to receive. He just had to receive the blessings because of that covenant. And so here's how I would picture the story of Mephibosheth. Just receiving the abundance of God's grace. Not because he deserved it. Not because he had anything to contribute but just the fact that he was Jonathan's son, he just got to receive the abundance of grace. So, did Mephibosheth do anything to earn David's mercy, love, and a place at the king's table? He did absolutely nothing. Second question is, did he do anything to keep David's mercy, love, and place at the table? But he got to stay at the table only because he was connected to Jonathan and Jonathan and David made a covenant. And when you understand God wants to give you the kingdom every day, not because of your performance or lack of performance, but because you're connected to Jesus. It's no wonder when we get to heaven, again, we're all going to be on our face. We're going to understand when we get into God's presence we're going to have that Mephibosheth moment and just literally be blown away that God would invite us to be part of the kingdom. So Revelation 3.20, verse we use some as we're witnessing to lost people, and it's a good verse, but really it's a verse given to the church. The church got so busy, Jesus was on the outside looking in. Isn't that crazy? And this is what Jesus says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and what? Dine with them and they with me. God wants us to come to the table and to dine. He wants to come and just fellowship and to hang out at the table. One day we're going to do it physically. We're going to be in the presence of God. But even now we can dine with him every day. Because this world is crazy. This world is crazy. I'd, I'd hate to be God trying to figure out what's going on. But I want you to know, no matter how crazy the world gets, you can dine at God's table every day. And he wants to shower you with his love, mercy, and grace. So question I want to ask you, do you have to work to earn God's mercy, love, and a place at his table? It's not about working for it. Do you have to work to keep God's mercy, love, and a place at his table? No. Now, obviously, good works follow. When we fall in love with God, we just want to serve Him. But it's not about working for His acceptance. He accepts us because we're connected to Jesus. Have I said that enough times? 
If you're connected to Jesus, I just want you to know you get to enjoy all the covenant blessings of the Son because you're connected to Jesus. Gets pretty exciting. So 1 John, let's read these two verses together. John, maybe more than any other writer, got the love of God. And he was blown away that God would love us. He says this, let's read together. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. That's crazy, that he's adopted us into his family. We're called the children of God. He says, I just can't understand that. And then in Galatians 4, 7, it says, You are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. How many of you, if you discover that you are an heir of all that God has, can anybody get a little excited? I mean, if you were an heir to my fortune, not much to shout about. But if you honestly knew and believed in your heart that he has made you an heir, not because of your performance, but because you're connected to Jesus, he will everything that God has. He says, I want to give to you. It should even make a backslider feel good. Man, you ought to be driving home today, pull over and just have a spell. You ought to go into work tomorrow. I just discovered I'm an overcomer. I'm an heir of God. They would think you're drunk. But it's true. That's why the Bible, again, when you read what the Bible says about us, it's almost unbelievable. Because, again, we believe what we see out here and not what God says. That's why the story of Mephibosheth is so exciting to me because I can identify with Mephibosheth. So here's my final slide. This is the slide you've been waiting for. I will always say the person I am most surprised that will be in heaven will be me. Because I know what a rascal I have been. I know how hard my heart is, how indifferent I've been over the years. How many of you noticed, this is the third picture that's kind of like this. How many of you noticed something in the other pictures? I kind of hid it in there, and I didn't say anything. If you'll look just to the left of my face, in the, in the water, how many of you see an itty-bitty Roger? I hid that in every picture. Because I will never want to talk about grace without realizing that, that myself, more than anybody, don't deserve it. How do you describe the goodness of God? How do you describe that God wants us to be and just enjoy the inheritance of what he has for us? I just want to tell you again, as you look in the mirror, I hope you're blown away by how much God loves you. That God wants to give you the kingdom, not because of who you are, not based on your performance, but if you have Jesus in your heart, he wants to give you the kingdom. Let's stand together. I can't think of how sad it would be for someone whose name is on a church roll to not have their name on the Lamb's Book of Life. I can't think of how sad it is for people to work all their life trying to perform for God. 
And then find in Matthew 7, 21, where Jesus says, many are going to come in that day saying, Lord, Lord, have we not done all of these mighty things? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. I want to tell you, knowing Jesus is number one. I just want to pray a simple prayer. And maybe everybody here today has already prayed that prayer. Maybe you know that you know that you know that your name is on the Lamb's Book of Life. But maybe there's one person here today that's not sure that if you were to step into eternity today, that God would welcome you into his kingdom because of you were connected to Jesus. So I want to pray this prayer, and I'm just going to ask everybody to pray it. Whether you're a believer or non-believer, let's just pray it in childlike faith. Dear Jesus, I realize today how much you love me that you died on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I open up the door of my heart. I invite you to come into my life as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. I want to live in the abundance of mercy the abundance of grace I want to head out every day that I'm a king's kid Father in Jesus name fill us with your spirit I love you guys on the way out as Bob mentioned we're going to take a dollar offering we take four dollar offerings usually in the fall and you don't have to give anything but you know, it's amazing because people say, I want to make a difference, but I just don't have that much. But when you throw some quarters or a dollar in, you add up everybody, we get five or six hundred dollars, we can do a lot of good. So if it, if it isn't something God's put on your heart, do not feel bad at all. But anything put in that wooden box, 100% of it's just going to go help people over the holidays, just provide some food. Just a small way that we can share the love of God. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I think we're all going to identify with Mephibosheth on the other side. But if you think about it, all of us get to be like David on this side, that we can invite somebody to come to our house, that we can share the love of God and the blessings of God. And so really, we get to be on both sides of it. I love you guys. It's an honor to be able to serve alongside of you all. Let's make this the best week ever as we just prepare our heart to receive all that God has. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing our way out of here today. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that your love for us is not based on performance, but based on the fact that we're connected to Jesus. I pray that we wouldn't live one day just doing the best we can, but, Father, we would live every day in the abundance of grace and the gift of mercy. Fill us, empower us to make a difference everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.